This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. You can open your Bibles to Romans 13. And we're reviewing the nature of true Christianity, which is um, has some roots in um, Francis Schaeffer's fantastic book, True Spirituality, which is a fantastic book and, and uh, video series that he did as well, uh, countering some of the extreme movements countering some of the extreme movements that uh, were taking place in the 80s. And so we're unlocking biblical truths about spirituality. And we've been looking as an intro at the law and the law of love. Let's read Romans 13, 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of of the law. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you for your love and your grace towards us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross of Christ Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah. We praise you. And we ask you, Lord, this morning that you would bless our understanding, Lord, with richness. Uh, Lord, help our hearts and our minds to be transformed by the power of your word and by its truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me just have a moment here. Uh, the view has changed, bro, on this end. Oh, that'd be that'd help, wouldn't it? That would probably help a great deal. There we are. Well, that makes sense now, doesn't it? All right. Well, let's let's keep moving. We left the lesson last week with Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And this obviously has some negative connotation to it, to be crucified or, or to be killed. I've been crucified with Christ, but it's followed by a powerful positive. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To stop at the negative would be to miss the point of Paul's, uh, Paul's lesson in this, and that is that the the true Christian life is not simply an externalized life. It's not simply a thought life of basic negatives. It's not a, uh, a hating life. It's not uh, a life where we're dependent upon certain kinds of actions or certain kinds of appearance. Um, the negatives of Christianity 
are not nihilistic. In other words, they're not without uh, deeper meaning. They're not fruitless. They're not negative in the sense of just a depressing negativity. So when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, this is not an end statement in itself because he's leading on to something and that is the new life that the believer finds in Christ Jesus, that they are now a changed person. So the Christian life does not stop with a negative, I've been crucified with Christ. This statement is kind of meaningless without the remainder of Paul's statement, which is that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's, he's not stopping at the statement that I've been crucified with Christ. That's, that is not the be-all be and the end-all of the Christian life. It's not enough for us to say, I've been born again. It is born again for what? And that's what Paul is getting to. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a true life in the present as well as in the future. This looks at what we gain as an inheritance in Christ Jesus, but it also looks at how we live now, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Romans 6 Verse 4, you might want to turn to Romans chapter 6. One of my uh, favourite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter 6 and it is a wonderful uh, passage for you and I uh, as believers to study and I would really encourage you to uh, read Romans 6 and to work on memorising the passage. Uh, It's a tremendous passage. Romans 6 verse 4 says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So we could take this as quite a negative statement. It's, it's a little bit like Paul's statement just previous, that I've been crucified with Christ. Here he puts it in different terms and he says, we've been buried with Christ. Here is, once again, this negative aspect toward the Christian life. It describes the aspect of Christianity often focused on people with a list mentality. They focus on what must be laid down and for their way of thinking is the the Christian life is more about what you put off or what you lay down than how you live now. It's essential that we understand that. The whole concept of repentance is turning away from The old life, it is turning away from sinful behavior. It's turning away from uh, uh, sins and habits, these kinds of things. But that's not where it stops. The Christian life does not stop with that. And if we take that mentality on into the Christian life, we become very legalistic because our focus becomes about or becomes more about what we can lay down in order to try and please God than how we are presently living. It's not all there is to be buried with him through baptism into death, through immersion into death. That just as Christ 
was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is the description that Paul continually gives throughout his writings, whether it's here in Romans or whether it's in 2 Corinthians, speaking of being a new creation. Paul talks about this pivotal point that there is life before Christ. I found Christ through repentance and now I have a new life and that life is to be lived to his glory. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead. So there is a death and a resurrection. And Paul paints a picture of uh, the similarities between Christ's death and resurrection and our death and resurrection, our laying of our lives down in repentance and faith in Jesus, that they are taken up again, we're immersed into him and brought up again into a new life. True spirituality has both a negative and a positive to it. Romans 6, verses 6 to 11. Now, I won't put the whole of the passage up at this point, but knowing this, that our, our old man was crucified with him. So Paul again reiterating that we came to faith in Christ Jesus. We came into this life in Christ. This is a spiritual reality as far as Paul sees it. Our old man was crucified with him. He's using very fixed language. He's not being ambiguous. He's saying that in order for you to come to faith in Christ, you had to come to this uh, point of, of catastrophe in, in a sense, that you had to come to an understanding of sin and the desperation of life in order to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And the scripture describes that as being crucified with Jesus. We were crucified with him. This is important to the presentation of the gospel. The presentation of the gospel itself includes counting the cost of following Jesus. If there's a problem with the modern gospel message, it focuses so much on the love of Jesus and what and the benefits of the Christian life that it's like selling people a, an insurance uh, a program, that with our insurance comes all of these benefits. And so with, with giving your life to Jesus comes peace and happiness and, and, you know, all these things. And so people are in this mode of testifying about all the wonderful benefits they've received by following Jesus. Are there benefits in following Jesus? You bet there are. There are amazing benefits. But some of the benefits the modern gospel focuses on are not what scripture focuses on. Scripture focuses on the primary benefit being that of reconciliation of enmity between man and God. In other words, you and I, in our sin, were at enmity with God, as Paul describes it. And so, as a result of faith in Jesus, that state of enmity has been taken away and we are reconciled with God. And this is the chief benefit of Scripture that we might then be called the children of God. 
understanding this is vital. And if you're to preach the gospel to people and share the gospel with people, it's important that sin is correctly highlighted. It's important that people understand that their sin is a barrier between them and God without Christ Jesus and that they can't of themselves achieve a right standing with God. This was accomplished through Christ Jesus. But someone who comes to faith in Christ Jesus, Paul says that that person was crucified with him. He says, in actual fact, the reality is that in God's time, that that person by faith in Christ Jesus has now been crucified with him. Now, don't try to think about that too much because uh, obviously if we think about it in time tenses that we understand, um, that's impossible, but not in the economy of God's kingdom. Why were we crucified with him? Well, Paul continues, he says, that the body of sin might be done away. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Well, Paul continues from that with verse 7. He says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. The first time I ever came across that verse as a young believer, I was a little bit puzzled by it. And then some years later, I saw a, a teaching on it. And the teaching simply had this man who was sitting on the side of the street. And uh, there were, you know, his head was down as one of those little drawings like of a Mexican person sitting on the side of the street with a sombrero on. And, and um, walking past him was all kinds of sin that might be attracted, that he might be attracted to, whether it was women, money, fame, etc., etc. And so then in the next frame, his hat has blown off. He's not being tempted toward this sin in any way, but in the next frame, his hat's blown off and he's a skeleton. And then you see, well, of course, he's not tempted to sin because he's dead, because dead people don't sin. And so this is what Paul says. He who has died has been freed from sin. And this is how Paul saw himself. He's not saying he didn't sin, but when he was dead to himself and dead to the world around him, that temptation was gone. But when you and I live for ourselves, the temptation is there. I have a, a little saying that um, people aren't the problem, it's the living ones that are trouble, you know. And, and it was only meant in humour, um, arising out of some difficult situations with people and, and stuff. But as, as I've kind of adopted that over the years, it's become more and more true because as we live to ourselves, we create problems for other people because we're essentially bringing selfishness into the circumstances. Paul then says in Romans 6 verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, and another translation says that he now lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also Reckon yourselves or account yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
In dying with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, raised to new life. That's the emphasis of Paul's writing, that we've been raised to a new life with Christ. Now, to illustrate this, Galatians 5. So so we have our pre-Christian life. We come to faith in Christ and Paul says that that is such a point in the history of your life that it is death with Christ and this is how God sees it, that he has in uh, the economy of his kingdom and in the working of faith, he has taken you, crucified you with Jesus and now you live your life alive in Christ Jesus. So Paul then says in Galatians 5, 13 uh, through 26, he gives some example about this, but in verse 15 he says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Well, he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers and he's talking in a negative sense here that clearly some of these believers have some wrong behavior. And his method here is to highlight this fact that if you bite and devour, you're going to be consumed by one another. And you and you and I have probably experienced that over time, that within churches and within the Christian world, many times there are people who do and say things that are hurtful and harmful, and it leads to us being devoured somewhat within. But Paul goes on in verse 14. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, if you keep biting each other, you're going to devour yourselves. But the law is fulfilled this way, to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sure that within this building, there's more than a few people that have been to churches where there was a focus on legalism and that focus on legalism has led to people who are very quick to point out one another's faults, of which we have more than a few. Amen? But often that is is done by a, uh, or from a uh, very uh, self-righteous stance. Excuse me. So Paul's method for overcoming the this behavior of biting and devouring one another, this behavior of criticism, uh, of gossip, of slander, or of being uh, legalistic to one another, his remedy to that, his method of overcoming this, is to highlight the law of love once again. Paul speaks of this over and over, the law of love. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on and he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Well, this is not a free for all. He's not saying that if you're led by the spirit, do what you want because the law is not a restriction on you. Instead, he's pointing them to the law of the spirit, which is a law of love. 
In verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if we're not under the law as such, but now we are under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that law or that, that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. What is it? It is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, translated today as patience. But I love how it's described right there. Long-suffering. We could put a couple extra O's in there. Long-suffering. Kindness. Great that patience comes before kindness. Because so often we are unkind when we're impatient. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When you study the context, we're led to a powerful understanding that living the Christian life involves pursuing very positive directions. A lot of people say, oh, Christianity is so negative, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah, but we're compelled to do these very positive things, to live by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That law is the law of love. And there is nothing more fulfilling in your life than to love God and to love other people. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. So in summary, true Christianity is about much more than simply being born again. That's the beginning of the Christian life. And in some ways, as soon as the Christian life has begun, that becomes the least significant thing in your life now. That once you've entered into Christ, that point, though it's the point you will look back on so many times, what what you need to be concerned about is what happens now and onwards. And so in so many ways, we, we have Testimony Sundays and we're, we're looking at what led this per, person to conversion and it's powerful. But in so many ways, up to that point, that was amazing then. But now what God is concerned about is what comes next. And the true Christian life is much more than understanding that I've been justified and am going to heaven. The understanding of it. True spirituality in the present life means more than being justified and knowing that we're going to heaven. It means more than that. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's about how we live in the here and now. It's about how we live to the glory of God. True Christianity is about much more than desiring to rid our lives of taboos in order to live a free life. So on the one hand, the legalistic approach, on the other hand, the liberal approach, these approaches to Christianity are both imbalanced because they're both very me-focused. True Christianity desires a deeper life, the deeper spiritual life. 
True Christianity is not just outward. It's about the development of the inner man. It's not coveting against God and men. This is Paul Paul says in Romans 7 that I would not have known lust had the law not shown me or not instructed me you shall not covet. And so Paul explains there in, in simple and concise form that coveting is a form of lust and he goes into various ways in which we can covet whether it's our neighbor's wife or whether it's his things that he owns, his property and possessions or his status in life, whatever it may be. But Paul says that the purpose of that law was simply to show me what my sin is. That's all it could do. It brought me that far and that was it. True Christianity is more than all of this. It is a positive inward reality which then works in positive outward results. Now I don't mean, you know, this is a a dangerous word to use in some ways, the word positive, because it gets tied up into the faith prosperity preachers and the positive thinking crowd and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about a real real reality in which you and I, having died to sin, died in Christ, having been crucified with Christ, are now alive in him. And the life that we now live, we live for his glory. So there is a positive reality now. That reality is positively is positive inwardly in that we've been transformed and that inward reality is positive inwardly outwardly in that it affects the way we live around other people. So the inward work is a work that is positive. The Holy Spirit residing in you, creating the new man and the new woman. It's not all about being dead to certain things. It's not just about putting off. We're presently able to love God, live in him, commune with him, and presently able to love, live with, and commune with others. Hallelujah. (coughs) So many people in this world who claim to be religious are at enmity with people around them, unable to live with those around them. And even within the church, this is difficult. You know, our lives rub up against one another. We will have conflict with conflict with each other. But I promise you that at the heart of all those conflicts, somebody is living to themselves. At the heart of it. That's why that conflict exists. Somebody has upset somebody else because they're, they're living to themselves. Possibly both people. In the situation, neither willing to back down, neither willing to to show humility in the situation. The idea of teaching about true spirituality has to deal with issues just mentioned. These are deep issues. Anything less than this is trifling with God, because what we're talking about is a life that is transformed internally by the power of the Holy Spirit and that internal transformation leads to external 
transformation. It leads to lives that externally affect the world around them. So it's an experiential freedom in Christianity. This freedom is victorious over sin. Well, there's a doctrine around called sinless perfection. That is not the same statement. I'm not making the same statement there about sinless perfection. And uh, some people have taken uh, John Wesley's teachings about victorious Christian living and uh, made some spurious accusations about him. Uh, he was a man that that said that if you uh, truly did repent of any known sin, you could live in victory over that sin in your Christian life, if you truly did repent over that known sin. Um, and so as you become aware he, of that sin, the issue was getting before God until you found true repentance of that so that you could forsake that sin and turn from it. And that's how he believed you could uh, walk in victory over known sin, where sinless perfection is different because it claims that you could reach a state of perfection in this life now before eternity. And, um, you know, all the best with that. So... So we are talking about being free in a living reality. This is understanding the teachings of Romans where Paul says, for example, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that you and I are sinless there, but he's saying that even in the event of sin in our lives, understanding the nature of justification brings us into this place in which we understand we're not condemned by that. We're found in Christ Jesus. This is what makes his grace and his mercy all the more amazing. Why would we consider and settle for lives of lesser hope and value? Let's, let's just keep moving along here and look at Galatians 2 verse 20 one last time and then next week we're going to move on as we move out of the law and the law of love I have been crucified with Christ let's say this together I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2 verse 20. I would urge you to take that verse this week and and meditate over it. I've been crucified with Christ. Paul is talking about two a, a point in time in your life, leading up to the time where you placed faith in Christ, living in sin, living in, as he describes to the Ephesians, living in death, that you were dead in your sin and trespass. Paul says that with repentance, with faith in Christ Jesus, you have come to a point where you have been crucified with Christ. You are dead at that point. Dead to what? 
Dead to self is what he's talking about. You're dead to self, dead to the power of sin, dead to living for your own purposes, your own self in life. What has happened to your life since then? He says, now it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what? Well, now the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. That is a powerful verse for you to meditate on through the week and understand that from that point where you placed faith in Christ Jesus, now you're beginning the journey into the Christian life. Now is where it happens. Now is where the growth is. Now is where the real development is. And while it's great to look back and see what Christ did for us and and think about our conversion and that time when we were born again, now is where our focus needs to be on how can I live the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The law and the law of love. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus transcends the law because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the law of love. It is the law of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, loving your neighbour as yourself. And that is the fulfilment of all the law. So if you want to truly be a fulfilled legalist, live by love, not by legalism, and you'll fulfil the law. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.